a seat. Um, thank you, Craig and team. Um, actually, I'm going to uh, mention uh, that that psalm was called Psalm 16, and I'm going to mention a, a scripture from that psalm, and, and it's a, a theme a little bit this morning as we gather. But uh, as we get into our story this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19. If you don't know me, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. I uh, lead the youth group along with some other guys and uh, lead the worship from time to time. And a uh, little plug for youth group next week after church, uh, all 6th through 12th graders, uh, that's, our, that's our youth group. We're going to go see uh, the new Black Panther movie. Um, yeah, some people, some fanatics may have already seen it. I don't know if it's good or not, but I'm hearing good things. But we'll let all the fanatics go first, and we'll watch it next week. Uh, but we're going to eat some lunch together. We're going to go get some fast food and go to the movie. The price is like $6.99 for the matinee. So put that on your calendar if you want to come with us. Um, but anyway, back to the story. We get to, we get to Luke 19 this morning, and we have the story of everyone's favorite wee little man. Who is he? Zacchaeus. All right, so we can, the, we've already sang a little bit. We've had a warm-up, so you guys ready? We're going to sing. Zacchaeus was... Okay, I didn't, I didn't actually think you would sing along with me, so <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, we should have left the kids up here for that one, right, and had them sing with us. Um, but you may know the song. We already read a lot of the story in Luke 19, but I do want to read it one more time. So I'll let you stay seated, and let's read this together. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, when I heard I had this sermon, I thought, oh, this is easy. We're supposed to be like Jesus, so all I have to do is, get, uh, is tell you that when you leave here today, if you're walking down the street and you see a short man in a tree, okay, you see the short man, you invite yourself over to dinner, and his life will be changed forever, right? Okay, I figured we could even practice. Devontae, you and I are short. We're short. So I figured, you know, maybe Kent Stroop, I don't know. Like, there's some other short ones out here. I'm calling, I'm, I'm being mean. Um, but I figured we could go outside, like, get in some trees around the parking lot, and you guys could all walk out and practice the sermon today. All right, no, I'm joking. Um, and, and, and honestly, it's, I, I thought about this passage, and we treat it like a kid's song a lot of times. You know, It's like a comical thing that this like, short little man climbs a tree so he can see Jesus. And, 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 and it's a, a common kid's story that we hear. But I don't want us to just treat it that way this morning. I want us to look at this and learn because I think there's a message here for us. So 
We have already said at this point in Jesus' life, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows he's going there to be arrested and to be killed. We're at the end of this, um, of of Jesus' life, and Luke is driving home a point over and over and over again. And I think we've mentioned this, but if you look at chapters 17, 18, and 19, what you'll find is Luke is pointing out a theme that is all through his book that he wants his readers to catch He wants them to catch who receives Jesus in these stories and who's receiving the kingdom that Jesus is bringing in this message and and who's not. And in 17, 18, and 19, we see lepers, we see a persistent widow, we see two tax collectors, we see a group of children, and we see a blind man all receiving Jesus. Now, all of these people, for one reason or another, are like second-class citizens in their day. They're outcasts in a way. They're not as important um, for very different reasons. But these are the people that are receiving Jesus and his kingdom. And then on the other hand, who doesn't receive Jesus? Well, in 18, we have two stories. One, there's a proud religious leader, otherwise known as a Pharisee, but we know he's proud here because it says he prays loudly for everyone to hear that out in the street, out in the open, just to be heard. And we hear that that prayer is not received from the Lord. And then we see later in that chapter the rich ruler. We call him the rich young ruler who had a lot of wealth, and he's trying to figure out what he can do to enter into God's kingdom. And for him, Jesus says, you need to give up all you have. But those possessions are too dear to him, and he walks away sad. So Luke is pointing out over and over and over again that Jesus has come for the people that know they need him. He's come for the outsiders and for those who know that they're sick. You know, the the passage Jesus says, I've come for the sick, not for those who think they're already well. And so I want to point out that it's easy for us to at one time come to Jesus knowing that we need him. But then over time, to find ourselves in a place of going back into patterns of relying on ourselves and feeling like we have everything together. But actually, dependence on God is a long, intentional journey where we continue to consistently humble ourselves and remember our need for a Savior. And the good news is, this morning, if you come as an outsider who is desperate for a savior, that's exactly who Jesus is coming for. The staff here at Crestmont was actually listening earlier this week in our staff meeting to a a teaching from a a pastor, friend, and mentor of of many of us. And he he had a quote in his uh, teaching that said, our sin is what qualifies us for the grace of God. Let me say that again. Our sin is actually what qualifies us for the grace of God. So Because we have stuff, because we've messed up, because we uh, have lived in sin, that's actually what gets us um, into this place of being able to receive God's grace. So let's move on to Zacchaeus in our story. We've already said he's an outsider, um, but why? Um, Why is this tax collector? He's a wealthy tax collector. You may already know this, but tax collectors in those days were like scorned and despised by everyone because their profession was not was known for not only taking taxes from people, but taking too much tax from people. And Zacchaeus had become wealthy basically on the backs of his fellow brothers and sisters who he was taking taxes from. And he actually worked for the enemy, so to speak. He was working for the Roman government, taking these taxes from his Jewish brothers and sisters, 
and he was becoming rich that way. And so he was hated and despised for what he did and was seen on the outside um, of society in this story. Now, what does he do? We all know he climbs up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this where you have really wanted to meet somebody or see somebody so badly. I know my, uh, my friend is a big Eagles fan. He just drove across the state to be there for the parade. Okay, I, I grew up um, in Atlanta. I was a big um, Atlanta Braves fan. And we were just talking about this story just the other day at, at Citigroup. We were kind of talking about who we had known that was famous or met or, or whatever. We were trying to all feel famous is what it was. But we, I, I remember this story. I was, um, I was working at a golf course in high school in the Atlanta area, and Hank Aaron, everybody know Hank Aaron, baseball slugger for the Atlanta Braves, hit the most home runs uh, for a long time until people took steroids. And then... <laughs> So anyway, he was having a golf tournament at the golf course I worked at. It wasn't a day that I worked, but I was sure to find my way to the golf course that day to try to meet or at least get an autograph or something with Hank Aaron. So it was on a Sunday. I left after church. I went to the golf course. I kind of knew when they started, so I knew when they would sort of finish. And um, so I I was on the driving range hitting golf balls waiting and I saw this foursome um, in carts leaving the last hole and going to where they parked the carts. It was four African-American men. I thought, okay, I'm going to go see if this is Hank Aaron. So I walk over there. I look at them all, and it's like, no, no, no. Okay, so maybe they're coming later. So I go back, hitting balls again on the driving range, and 10 minutes later, my coworker friend comes and says, hey, did you, did you meet him? Did you see him? Like, and he had, an, he had a, a golf card with his autograph on it. I was like, No. Uh, I checked, and he was, and it was, apparently, I totally missed Hank Aaron, okay? So, me, an Atlanta Braves fan, had, had surveyed the group, he was in the group, and I totally whiffed and missed him. So, it, it goes down forever in my life as a, a regret of mine, um, but thankfully, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus got it right, all right? He figured out who Jesus was. So, let's go back to our story. I think Like I said, this is kind of a comical place in the story. He climbs up on a tree. But I think this is telling us something about who Zacchaeus was and what was going on in his life. Zacchaeus was so interested in seeing Jesus that he was willing to, one, get around a crowd of people in which he was an outsider. He was despised and hated for what he did. People knew who he was. You see that later on in the story, like, you're going to his house, Jesus. So he's despised and hated, but he, but he goes into this crowd. And then, who knows, like, have you ever seen a man, like, climb a tree to see another man? Like, not a very common occurrence, all right? Like, some men might, like, push their way into the crowd so that they can see him. This guy was willing to go to great lengths to see Jesus. He was that interested. He threw off what was normal for an adult male, and he climbed up in the tree, and I think it shows us that Zacchaeus was hungry for something. He was like desperate for a change in his life. If I had to guess, knowing his situation, I would say he hadn't found any satisfaction in his wealth. He had probably come to feel pretty lonely as an outsider um, and despised by people, and he was actually enslaved 
to his way of life. He had made these choices to become this profession, to be wealthy, and now he was a slave to that profession and that wealth, and he was desperate for something to change in his life. And isn't it cool that in the story, with Jesus, Zacchaeus gets more than he even hopes for. Like, he's just hoping to see and catch a glimpse of Jesus. But instead, he gets a house guest and ultimately a new life. And that's just how Jesus is. Jesus gives us more than we could hope or imagine because that's, that's who he is. So we, we read the story. Jesus passes by, and he calls him by name. Now, I don't know. I think, you know, we could, we could guess maybe Jesus, you know, he invites himself over to his house. Maybe he was just hoping for a free meal, you know, like Jesus. The Bible says he went, you know, he didn't have a place to lay his head. He went from town to town. Maybe Jesus is just looking for a free dinner, right? You think? No. Okay, I don't think so. I think Jesus, in this case, is so full of the Holy Spirit. He is directed by his Father. We know that. We've said that. Jesus says, I only do what I hear the Father doing. So Jesus is being directed by the Spirit to see and notice Zacchaeus. And I think the Holy Spirit even tells him his name and reveals his name and his need. And so he looks him straight in the eye he calls his name, and he invites himself to be Zacchaeus's guest. And this reaction of Zacchaeus is what I love. Um, our NIV Bible, the Bible that we read that's in the pews, says in verse 6, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Other versions say he hurried down and received him with joy or received him gladly. I see Zacchaeus here He's, he's in this place of being desperate for change. Jesus noticed him and invites himself over, and he is gone. He is there. He, he hurries down that tree and runs directly over to Jesus and receives him with joy. And I see just in this story, this is like a, an overall picture of salvation, okay? It's like the man Zacchaeus knows his need for change, his need for a savior, he goes to just get a glimpse of who Jesus is, and he realizes that Jesus is already looking at him. And Jesus is standing there literally knocking on the door of his house, but figuratively, as we say in the Bible, he's standing at the door of his heart and knocking and asking to come in. And Zacchaeus welcomes him in, and he receives that with joy and gladness, and he's full of that. And I, it's just a picture to me of salvation, but not just of salvation. It's a picture of our continuous life of following Jesus. It's a continuous picture of us being freed from our sin to greater and greater freedom and greater and greater depths of joy with Jesus time and time and again. And Craig's song earlier, Psalm 16, you guys may know this verse, Psalm 1611 says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. And John 8, 36, 36 says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so I want to drive home this point this morning that because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we should be filled with joy. 
It should be our response. And the evidence of this response that we continue to read in Zacchaeus' life is that the first thing he does after welcoming Jesus is pledging there in front of everyone to give half of his money to the poor and to give back four times what he owed people who he had wronged. Okay, this is way just just for your information. This in the Old Testament, there was laws about this and making restitution. And in the Old Testament law, all he would have to do is give back what he owed. But he goes far and above what the Old Testament even asks for. And he gives first giving half of his money away to the poor, but then even going giving four times back um, those he wronged. He's going far above what the law would require of him, but it's like he's that man in the parable of Jesus who finds a treasure in a field, and he knows that treasure is so valuable that he gives up everything he has to purchase that field. Zacchaeus is that man in this story. He has found a greater treasure, and he's willing to give up everything because that stuff doesn't matter anymore. His reward is now Jesus and this new relationship. And he stands, I remind you about the rich young ruler, he stands in stark contrast to the rich young ruler here. Both of these men were wealthy, but Zacchaeus found that his wealth was not ultimately satisfying. He was hungry for change, and now he gives that up, and he's set free from his slavery to his stuff, and he could care less about it. Um, I want to point you to another passage of Scripture in the Bible. It's going to be on the screen, but I was reading in the Psalms just a few weeks ago, knowing that this uh, sermon was coming, and Psalm 126 is a beautiful parallel, I believe, to this story. So if you want to turn, it'll be on the screen. But Psalm 126 is a psalm of freedom from captivity and the joy that follows. So I want to I read it out to you. And I'm going to read it. There's the NIV and the, and the NASB translate it a little bit differently. So I'm going to read it from the NASB. It'll be on the screen, like I said. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful singing. And then the next slide. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. That psalm starts out saying, it's this occurrence where God has freed the Jews, uh, the Israelites, sorry, from captivity, and they have come out of that, and it is like, they describe it like a dream. It's like it's not even real. It's so amazing that it's happening. And then the Lord fills their mouths with laughter and their tongues with joyful shouting. And I see this in Zacchaeus's life, right? He's been enslaved to something and the Lord has brought him out of that captivity and he's filled his mouth with laughter and he's filled him with joy. And then it goes on to say, they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And I I can't imagine that the people in this story of Zacchaeus aren't talking about this story now. You know, like Zacchaeus comes down and he pledges to give all this stuff, this um, despised, like corrupt tax collector is now changing his whole tune. And people have got to be talking about what has changed in this man's life. And, And then the end, it says there, 
they, the, the people in the psalm say, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. And I just see this in the story of Zacchaeus, that he is just full of joy as the Lord gives him his freedom. So I want to ask us, I want to go into our four questions this morning that we often use, and I want to look at Jesus in this story and ask ourselves the first question, who is God in this passage? Well, if you look again at the last verse in our passage, verse 10, it says, Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So who is God? God is the one who pursues us and set us free. It's his mission, and he especially came for those who know that they're lost. Now, all of us are lost. Some of us know it, and some of us don't yet know it, but we're all lost, and that is who Jesus is the one who pursues us and sets us free. So who are we, if that's who Jesus is, who are we in light of that? And I want us to see two pieces of this identity this morning, okay? First, we are no longer slaves. We've been set free and filled with joy. Now, maybe you're like Zacchaeus today, and you're coming having never experienced the freedom and the joy that Jesus offers. Or maybe you're like another biblical character that you, you may know this uh, prayer of David. David was a man who had experienced the Lord, but because of his sin, he found himself praying this prayer. Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. So you may have never experienced this joy, or you may have experienced it at one time, but right now you're not in that place of freedom and joy. But I want to tell you, the first piece of our identity this morning is that that doesn't have to be true of us. That the first piece is we can be set free and filled with joy. That's who we are because Jesus is pursuing us. The second piece of our identity that I want to mention this morning is that we are set free to become agents of freedom for others. Essentially, we're set free to set free, okay? That's who we're called to be. It was Jesus' mission. He came to seek and to save the lost. And when we get sought after and get saved, then that becomes our mission as well. Okay, now it's easy, how easy it is for us to begin to live, you know, self-centered lives where we have this little circle of friends and family and all that we see is what's in, in our set of needs. And we surely have those. But Jesus, I'm so happy, was not just cared about caring about his own needs. Jesus' model was that he was seeking out and pursuing those who needed him. And I heard this, this quote this week, or not heard, I read this quote as I was doing some research, but it says, The church must become the means for restoring the lost and rejected by seeking them out, not by remaining isolated from them. See, we have been set free for a purpose, to spread the best kind of virus there is, all right? Now, that kind of sounds icky. Has anybody been in the winter sickness like my family has, or is everybody perfect? All right, if you have little kids that go to things and are around other little kids, then they just pass it all around, and, and we pass it around in my house as well. But 
this is a good kind of virus, okay? The gospel is the best kind of virus. It's meant to be a virus that spreads and moves from people to people. And I want, I want to be honest with you this morning. I think back to, you know, we've been, we came to Aliquippa about 10 and a half years ago to be a part of what God was doing, to join at Aliquippa Impact and, and help out with that. And we moved in with this sense of purpose, like we've come here to be missionaries to our community, okay? And I remember in those days, a lot of our prayer times together were characterized by this like fervent prayer that the Lord would do something on behalf of the lost. Now, Joel preached a few weeks ago, what happens when you start serving in and, and trying to minister to people is the Lord uncovers all these bad motivations that are underneath there. Like you want to be a savior or you like want to like feel good about yourself or helping other people out. There's all that kind of stuff. All that, all that stuff got surfaced. Um, and in prayer, there's a place of interceding for people. There's a place of worship. There's a place of receiving from the Lord. It, we we needed to learn all of that. But what I want to say to you this morning is I've felt over the last 10 and a half years, you know, it is very easy to get into a place of like only caring about my own needs and getting comfortable and not pursuing and seeking out the lost and praying hard that God would reveal himself to people. And I think, to be honest, I think that the Lord is, I know that the Lord is building, uh, renewing us and reviving us as a church. And I think one of the marks of that is that he's going to give us a greater and greater burden for the lost around us. And I think the, the cool thing is, I don't think this burden comes from guilt or shame. Like you got to do a better job. Like you failed. You got to witness this many times to people. I think what this story points to is that this burden comes from joy. This burden comes because we've received freedom and joy, and we want to impart that to other people. Here's the deal. I think that God wants to bring us to greater and greater depths of joy and freedom, and he wants us to pass that on to other people. There's, there's two memories and stories that I think about when I think about our congregation and our, our community here and joy. I, I remembered... Two Easter's ago, for whatever reason, two Easter's ago, every Easter is this high time of worship and praise. And, you know, honestly, a lot of our times of worship are high and joyful. But I walked away from that Easter service thinking, why not every week? Like, why, why is Easter like 12 and like, you know, other weeks are like 8 or 9. It's like sometimes it's like 5 or 6 and it's like, but, but Easter is like on 11. I think that's the correct rock term to 11. Is that right? Does anybody know? Like you crank it to 11. I think, I don't know. All right. I think I should know I play music, but I think that's the term. So, so Easter is just like up there. It's like, we're going after it. And it, it was like every Easter, I think like what joy there is in the room. And I think it's because we come with this anticipation, this expectation of just celebrating the Lord's resurrection. And it's that much sweeter. And and why not every week, you know? Like, why not every week that we come with that anticipation? But then the other memory that I think about is our um, baptism Sundays. And those are just, like, awesome times. And if you remember back to November, 
We had our 100th anniversary celebration, and we baptized four new believers that day. And it was just this awesome day of celebrating what God has done in other people's lives. And I think that's what God is calling us to. It's so joyful to see him do that in the lives of other people. And that's what God wants. That's, what God, that's the burden God wants to give us for the lost, is this burden of joy to see more and more, more, and more people set free from bondage and filled with joy. So what is God saying to us today, our third question? Well, I think he's asking us, are you free and are you experiencing this joy? And there's Probably a few different answers. We've kind of already mentioned this. But the answer may be, no, I've never felt that joy. I've never experienced and encountered that relationship with Jesus. I'm like Zacchaeus here who just is desperate for a change and wants a Savior. Well, first thing is, I want you to know, like Zacchaeus, when you turn your eyes to Jesus, you'll realize he's already looking at you. He's already directed his attention at you. He knows your name. He knows your need, and he's inviting himself into your life. And so, first off this morning, receive that invitation and be free and filled with joy. Your answer to that question this morning may be, well, yes, I have, but not at this point. And what I want to, to, to encourage you this morning is, be like David. Pray that prayer, restore to me, Lord, the joy of your salvation, and realize that everything else, the busyness, the other things, they don't satisfy. Only Jesus satisfies, and only Jesus fills us with joy. And if your answer to that question is, you know what, I'm free, I'm filled with joy, well then my question to you is, who are you seeking out? Who has Jesus led you to? Who is it in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, in the community? Who is it that the Lord is asking you to seek out? Who is he giving you a burden for? And maybe you have to pray for that burden. Maybe you have to pray, Lord, give me the desire to see who you're calling me to. Or, Lord, give me a desire to to pray for so-and-so or you know, and there's, there's lots of things. We may, we may be too busy to notice, but then I think we're missing the point. We may think we have nothing to offer, but what I love about this story of Jesus and Zacchaeus is all it took was Jesus noticing Zacchaeus and, and inviting himself into his life. And it wasn't some grand strategy. It was just taking notice. And sometimes that's all it takes. It's taking notice and coming along somebody in relationship So the last of our four questions, what are you going to do about that? I'm going to leave that to you, but I want to tell you and end with this. Um, I think about my daughter, Mercy, okay? A lot of you guys know Mercy. She loves, like most kids, she loves gifts, okay? She likes getting gifts. Does anybody not like getting gifts, okay? she Unfortunately, she actually has a birthday that's only a couple weeks away from Christmas, so it's not a great scenario for her because she has to wait, you know, the rest of the year for, you know, her gifts. But she loves getting gifts, but like most kids, and I, I would say, you know, she's, she's not spoiled, but she's gotten her fair share of gifts. I don't think any parents say their kids are spoiled, um, but they probably are. Um, but anyway, so 
she, she loves that, but even more than getting gifts, Mercy, more than like Taylor or more than other kids that I know, loves giving gifts. She loves it. Like, you know, we usually just have made it a practice. She's six now, so for the first years of life, it's just like you buy a present as a family to give to somebody. But, but seeing this in Mercy has led us to like take her to the store and be like, you can give a gift to your aunt, or you can give a gift to your, you know, grandma or grandpa, and, you know, obviously we can't spend too much money, but Mercy would spend it all, because she doesn't realize, you know, all that kind of stuff, but anyway, Mercy loves having that opportunity to pick out gifts for people, and even more than that, she loves to, like, make us cards and drawings and all that kind of stuff. She loves it. There's nothing that brings her more joy than giving gifts to people. And she's gotten her fair share, but she loves to give them away. And I think that's what God wants to do in us as a church, okay? God wants us to receive all these good gifts from him, but even more valuable than that, he wants us to see the joy in giving that away to other people. He wants us to be good gift receivers and awesome gift givers because we have received, like Zacchaeus, this freedom and joy, and he's calling us to give that away to other people. The second half of that passage, I'm going to close with this. Craig, if you could come and and play as we go to a time of prayer and response. The second half of that passage in Psalm 126 says this. It's interesting. They start in this place of joy, of receiving freedom, but then verses 4 through 6 turn to a prayer. And, And this prayer is this. Restore our captivity, O Lord, As the streams in the south, those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And I love this passage because it's like they've tasted a little bit of joy. They've tasted freedom from captivity. They've been filled with joy. But now they're praying for more. They're praying that God would continue to restore those that are still in captivity. They're praying for God to bring a harvest is what that last verse is saying. And that's where we are as a body. That's where we are as people who follow Jesus. We've received joy. We've been set free. And now we're longing for God to do that in other people's lives. And God wants to give that burden to us, not in a guilt way, but in a way of joy. And so I love that. Um, and that that's... That's a prayer um, that I want. I, I want to receive that for myself, but I also want to receive that for this body here.